Hey guys, welcome to our wonderful podcast, Confessions of a Pastor's Kid, a.k.a. PK. Now, we created this podcast so pastor's kids everywhere can share their story and debunk some of the common misconceptions about what it means to be a PK, all the while telling their very real stories in hopes that a PK somewhere will realize that they are not the only ones dealing with their struggles. This is going to be a very interesting journey, and we hope that you can stay with us the whole way there. Let's get going. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Confessions of a PK. This is episode nine, y'all. I want to thank everybody who's been listening, and I thank you for coming to join us today. Right now, we're going to hand it over to Sam, and he's going to take it away. Let's go. All right. Great. Thank you, Darkest. I am super excited today to sit down with a really, really good friend of mine that we went to college together and then uh, we haven't seen each other in a while, but in the last year or so, we've been kind of reconnecting and been talking and and she's an amazing voice. Um, so we're going to get to get to learn from her a little bit today. But before we do that, I just want us to just uh, prepare ourselves and pray and get ready for an amazing conversation. So let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for today. We are so grateful for who you are, Lord. Um, This is the day that you have made and gave us the grace to rejoice and be glad in it, God. Lord, I lift this conversation into your throne room. Give us us the, the boldness to speak your truth. And we pray that may this conversation be a light to a dark world. Let this conversation be a message to a little boy or girl or man or woman listening to this right now. And let it be a witness to them, Lord. Lord, we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So today we have our very own Miss Monique Martin, a.k.a. Mo. Um, Oh, applause, applause. I know, right? Uh, a little a little bit about Mo, and I'm not going to share too much because I want her to share it herself. Um, Mo is um, Mo, Mo is a is a former college uh, mate of mine, and uh, we went to college together. Shout out to Western Connecticut State um, in Connecticut, okay. of course. Um, and um, I find out when we're friends that you know her dad was a bishop. And I actually got the privilege to hear him preach one. So she invited me to her church. And it was it was amazing for me to go and, and listen to a powerful man of God do his thing. So when when we did this, I was like, Mo's got to be on this podcast. So I reached out to her and I'm so grateful that you made it. Um, so hi, Mo. Welcome. To hi. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi, I'm Mo. so excited to be here. <laughs> this You're is so great i love the excitement level <laughs> oh i'm uh, trying to keep it like bottled in my body's like shaking over here guys no, like, man, no let, let it out it let, let it, it out, out. <laughs> i'm so excited sam it's been forever it's been forever oh my forever. i think the last time i saw you might have been oh six around then oh six oh, oh seven i was in I, eighth grade yeah, Girl, well, nobody ago. asked you to age shameless. <laughs> yeah, what you she trying to do, I was in eighth grade. No, I even asked you that, darkness. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, I want to. I want. I want to start off really easy. Yes. 
Tell us about okay. yourself. Uh, share your testimony specifically about growing up as a pastor's kid. Wow. He, you said start off easy. Okay. Um, well, my name is Mo. It's short for Monique. Um, my dad, my dad was uh, just a pastor. Well, I don't want to say just, but he was a pastor. I love that you call him Bishop. He was the Bishop I, of yeah, my heart, but yeah, pastor. Um, so yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I think I was like 15 years old when my, when my parents accepted that call of, um, pastoral duties and starting their own church. So to me, uh, looking back on it, I feel like that was such a, a harsh age to mm. just suddenly have this thrown upon you. That's what it felt like at the time that <laughs> he was thrown. I, you know, I was excited for my family, but you know, I had my church home, a lot of friends. Um, I, was growing up with them since um, eight years old. I moved to Connecticut when I was eight. So yeah, 15 years old, we get yanked out of church and now we are pastors, kids, and now we are like full-time in the ministry and helping all over the place. And it was difficult, you know, being in high school. First of all, you don't even know who you are in high school. You're trying to fit in. Nope. And now you've got like this title and responsibilities and behavior and all of this to come along with it. So yeah, I was 15 when we got started in all of that. And then um, I quickly realized that I didn't like church and that I was not that big of a fan of God and um, went through some really, really harsh years um, and then ended up finding God separate from the responsibility of being a pastor's kid, you know, and, um, and stopped running from God. Cause I was, <laughs> I was running boy. <laughs> Jonah ain't had nothing on me. I was ready. <laughs> All right. Oh, well. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was uh, really, really tough out there. Um, without, without that spiritual covering of having a relationship with God. I learned um, harsh, harsh lessons, barely made it out. Um, I mean, I, I guess I can quickly like just list things. Um, let's see, uh, domestic uh, abuse of marriage, um, kids out of wedlock, um, selling drugs, don't even that was real short that life was not for me i would just say that right now that life, that life was not for me mo was not cut out for that life oh my um several suicidal attempts mm. um oh my gosh a little a little dip in homosexuality um mm. oh my gosh what else oh god the list could go on and on and on but you know hey listen when you playing in the devil's playground, there's there's nothing off limits. That is true. Wow. There's nothing off limits. Okay. Wow. So yeah, she was she was all over the place. Um, you know, alcohol party and all that stuff, promiscuity. And then finally, I uh one night, you wanna know what you wanna know what really saved me when I really gave my life over to God? Yeah, tell me. Y'all ever heard the book, um, The Shack? Is that the name of the book, right? The Shack, right? The Shack. I don't think I've heard of it, but... They made a movie off of it. I did not go see the movie because I felt like the movie was oh, going to be I know real corny. About. So I was like, I'm not going to see that. Uh, the book 
Amazing. So um, if anybody's not familiar with the book, I, and I cannot remember the author's name right now. And oh, you know what? I have the book right here. Hold on one second. It's right here in my big old pile of books. I think I know what she's the talking The Shock. You guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember. Oh. Wasn't yeah, Octavia um, Spencer in it? I don't know anything about the movie. Um, like I said, because this book changed my life and um, it was such a pivotal moment in my life. So I did not want to um, water it down by going to see the film the production movie. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know, but this was written by WM Paul Young. So one day I was sitting in my apartment. Um, I had had a party at my house and I was just tired. You know, I was seeing like two or three dudes, you know, like just wilding, just out here wilding, you know, living mm-hmm. young and free. And, um, and something inside of me just like, I just, I wasn't happy. You know, I wasn't happy. And my grandmother had given me this book years ago. I read it quickly, but I decided to start reading it this one week. It was a month in April in 2012. I started reading it and there was a part in the book. I did not know I was going to bring this up. Otherwise, I would have highlighted it. But it started talking about the love of God, the love that God has for you and that he would do anything. He would do anything. It doesn't there's nothing that you could do to remove you from God's love. But the way they described it in the book, I felt it it had to have been a supernatural experience. I felt like such a uh, warmth, a flood come and fill me in my living room, sitting by myself. And I cried so hard. And I said, I prayed to God and said, God, if your love for me is true, like what they're saying in this book, because after all the stuff I've been doing and have done, there's no way, like, you've got to be ashamed of me. There's no way you love me that much, but God, I need you to change me. I need my life to change because if not, I'm going to die doing what I'm doing. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I was meeting these dudes off of like the dating apps and this is back in 2012. So this is like fresh POF was like popping, you know, just fresh, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I was meeting these guys and, um, you know, they seemed like decent guys, but this is what happened. One dude came to my house and he had a gun on him. He wasn't using it in a way like towards mm-hmm. me or anything, because down here in the South, like I'm in Florida now. So down here, you know, you can carry your weapons around and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And he came and sat down. I was like, oh, let me just take this off. And, you know, he took out his gun and put it on my table. And I was looking at <laughs> what? <A> shock. <laughs> yes, because I'm not from the self, so I'm not used to that, you know. So, anyways, that moment woke me up. So, anyways, that my prayer to God was like, God, you know, if you don't change, I'm I'm gonna end up dying. And, and but I can't change it. Something in me won't allow me to just change. So I need you to do it. And so that uh, night, I feel like I rededicated my life to God. And for a week straight, a week straight, I came home, rushed home, couldn't wait to get home, read more of this book, cry some more. It was like a detoxification going on. And my life changed from there. I'm not going to keep going more and more because I'm sure you guys want to talk or ask questions, but (laughs) my life changed from that point. Okay. So, um, first of all, that's a remarkable testimony. Like that was a lot that was happening and that's a whole lot. Yeah. And like, first of all, praise God that you made it through. 
and you're here. Like, yeah. we thank God for that. And like you made mention that when you were 15, your parents accepted a call. Right. So and then you realized very quickly church wasn't for you. And you were like, church sucks. Yeah. I was like, this is for the birds. Church sucks. I don't like this. I don't like this. And you're like, God, no. So like, I, I really want to know what pressures did you face coming in? Cause it was like, you know, the preacher's kids that were born into it, you know, that pressure, like we know it. So like going from one side and then now coming in, what pressures did you face? Yeah, um, for sure. Because going to church and just like going to hang out with your friends in youth group is very, very different. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the pressures that I felt the most, and it was something God really had to deliver me from all the way up into my adulthood, was other people. Mm. It was never my parents because my parents always I was raised in a Christian household. So it wasn't like they got saved one year and then the next year they were like, let's start a church. They weren't, you know, those kind of Christians. Shout out to those Christians out there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so we were raised, you know, my my dad always read and and ministered to us and preached to us, you know, in the home. We praised and worshiped in the home. We prayed. So I wasn't like I wasn't aware. Mm -hmm. It was the people, man. People really made me not like God. People made Mm -hmm. me not like church. People made me yeah. not like being a pastor's kid so it was the pressure of other people you know what i can definitely relate um it's like almost like there's a spotlight on you and then automatic spotlight and then all eyes on you then it's like yeah talking and bickering and i not yeah not ahead. to gas us up or nothing but it's almost like being celebrities it's like you are celebrities yeah. and so you are you are um, required, whether, you know, consciously, subconsciously, verbally said, nothing said, you know, it's you are required to act a certain way, speak a certain way, look a certain way, unbeknownst to you. Yeah, you have to a certain, and, certain sta- standard. <laughs> the look on her me- Meanwhile, no, because it, it really would make me upset. Meanwhile, you and your kids are acting all kinds of messy but you have the energy and you got enough Holy Spirit to point out to me, you know? Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah. Y'all just took me back. Sorry. Let me relax my neck. <laughs> no, no. no, no. It's okay. Like we like the authenticity of it all, you know, because you're not Y'all the took only me person. Back to 2000 and what? You're not the only person to feel that way, which is the most amazing thing about this podcast, because there's a lot of preachers kids out there who think the same way, you know, we think and everything, but they're afraid yeah. to say something. And, you know, yeah. some of them are even afraid to say something to their, their parents because they feel like their parents are going to have, oh, yeah. you know, the congregations back. And every and in some cases, it's like that, but not all cases are like that. But yeah, but and, yeah, and and you're right, and and I think that's what feeds into that pressure, right? The pressure to be perfect. The pressure to yeah. Okay, if your parents are, you know, your parents are a pastor, then you definitely are going to be one. And and I can't imagine, you know, and we always talk about for those of us who were born into it, that it's hard. But I can't imagine how hard it would be yeah. to not, to just be living your life one day. Like, I'm a Christian, you know, I see, and then all of a sudden you're like, you're a Christian here. But now you're going to have to be a Christian on this level. Super Christian. Yeah, you yeah. got to be a super You got to be holy, now. you know. Exactly. Can't make a mistake. Prim and, yeah. like, 
very pristine. Because yeah. people are watching, mm-hmm. right? And I and I think that's what that's what it comes down to. I think for for me, anyways, I can't speak for my other siblings, but for me, anyways, it always felt like, you know, what would Jesus do? It's more like uh-huh. what will Pastor Herbert do, right? But I'm not Pastor Herbert. Oh right? yeah. And, uh-huh. and, yeah. And 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 it was always. And you're right. For us, it wasn't our parents who were putting that pressure on us. Uh-uh. Right. It wasn't our parents. It was just people Outside. around. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not even it's not even church members. That's also something that just made me a little angry too. It's not people even in the church. It's people outside the church that, who like, I, that aren't even I don't members. Even know you. <laughs> you don't even members, right? They're not even members. Especially, yeah. Especially the non-believers, mm. right? Especially the non-believers who are not Christians, who are not church members, who are like, well, I'm allowed to be this way, but you are not allowed to be that way. And it's like, and why? Right? My question is always why? why? Yeah. Even with some church members who say, you know, a preacher's kid is supposed to be like this, like A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. Then, I'm like, why is it that I'm not allowed, but you're allowed? Yeah. Right. Why is it way, that you're allowed to make a mistake, but I'm not allowed to make a mistake? And yeah. nobody can really give me a solid answer. The the answer that I get most of the time is because your dad's the pastor. Yeah. And I'm like, but oh, I'm not my father. He's the pastor, right? Yeah. <laughs> he answered the call, no, not me. Right. I'm just here for the ride. I'm here for the rent, the free rent, yeah. and the free food. Like, there you go. Ain't got nothing to do with me. You know, there's 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 always food at an African church. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Always food. By the way, I want to say, Pastor Herbert is our dad. I just want to make that clear. All right, Pastor it. Herbert, yeah, shout out. Like, he's oh, he's going to listen to this. He's going to start okay, laughing. Okay, Pastor Herbert. <laughs> All right, hey, Mo. So, so now let's talk about our faith, you know, uh, the Christianity here for a minute. Um, did you ever felt that your level of Christianity was different from your parents' faith? And how did you do if, if you felt like that, how did you deal with that? Did you feel like... You had, and, and actually, this might be before you became a pastor's kid, maybe when mm-hmm. you were growing up as a Christian. Growing up in the Christian home, did you ever feel that you had the same, you had the same faith as your parents? Okay, so this has gone through um, different stages. Mm-hmm. So uh, pre-pastor's kid, I loved, oh my gosh, I was so in love with this God that, my parents were in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's me. Like my parents got saved. I think I was like five or six years old and they were young. So they were on fire for God, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we had experiences, supernatural experiences. And so being a kid, I'm like wide eyed, like, this is awesome. You know? I love it. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Every, like all kinds of stuff. Um, and then, you know, we've, we have, you know, spiritual gifts within our family as well. So that was something that was talked about. And that was something that was, um, 
uh, I don't want to say exposed, but it was, you know, it wasn't something all hidden and hush hush. Like, don't talk about mm. it. You know, my mom, yeah. my grandmother, like, so this was so this was awesome. This was better than playing out in the dirt, you know, outside with the other kids. Like, yeah, oh, I want to hear more about it. the angels. I want to hear about yeah. the dream that came true. I want to hear about, you know, and then my parents would have like these awesome, like people would use my parents' house as retreats. So my parents, you know, they were from New York. We were from New York. And then we moved to Connecticut. So all their friends from New York, New Jersey and stuff would come out to where we lived and they would have these weekends and they're all young. They're like, like uh, late twenties, early thirties. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're like having these experiences on on these weekends where they're like worshiping and praying all together. Like you like really try to put yourself in this experience. So my house was that experience Mm house, like that supernatural miraculous, like that, you know? So I was like, yes. And I, go to my parents and be like, I saw Jesus. I saw an angel. And it was celebrated and it was awesome, you know? So yes, at that point, yes. Um, you know, learned uh, about the Holy spirit and received the Holy spirit eight years old, speaking in tongues, you know, praying on Mm -hmm. each other, just like, I mean, I'm talking, you want to talk about Paul in the Bible boot camp? Like that's what my house was. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Wow. <laughs> then you take from that. Then we move into now teenage years and we all know just naturally let's, let's yeah. take Christianity yeah. off of that. Being yeah. a teenager is just hard. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is teenager, teenager in the nineties. Okay. Like we've grown up with Tupac and Biggie and, you know, yeah. um, TLC and, you know, <laughs> don't go chasing. Well, okay. So, I mean, the colorful clothes, like, so we we're teenagers, you know, yeah. and we want to experience this, but now in the middle of me being a teenager now also keep in mind that I grew up with, um, all white people. Mm. Uh, when my parents moved from New York, they moved to Connecticut. Well, you live in Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. We moved to Connecticut (laughs) and we moved to this small town, a very like little ritzy, like all the lawyers and doctors and everybody live in this area. And I'm like the only black kid. So I'm a teenager, the only black kid. And now I'm a PK on top of that. Right. Great. So at that point, I started going through a lot of stuff. I want to say mentally within myself, self-esteem, all kinds of stuff. This is where I'm starting to decline. And um, I my faith was not there with my parents because now church just seemed like a chore. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like what it was like when I was younger to me, you know, and then, you know, of course, you know, y'all know, I already know the story after that. She went and wild out. So there was n- no faith to be had. Yeah. <laughs> so my question oh. is, um, I just have a question from what you said. Was it um, it was was it mainly the people? Was it like a significant uh, was it like a something happened that made you kind of like switch over? Like when you were a teenager or was it like a continuous decline? Like, was there like a moment? Yeah. 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 There was, there were a few things that lined up that happened. So I was uh, molested when I was eight, about eight years old. Mm. Mm. Um, I was molested by another kid, uh, somebody who was older than me. She was 12 years old. Wow. Um, So I was molested. Then also remember the major move happened also around this time. So now I'm in a place that I don't know. Yeah. People that don't look like me, they think something's wrong with me because of my accent and how I look and all of that. So I'm dealing with racism on a day to day basis as an eight, nine year old. Um, So I feel like that was the crack. You know, the word says, don't give the enemy a place. Don't give them not even a little inch or crack or nothing. Yeah, that was the crack. 
And he took it. And oh, did he take it? He girl, he took full advantage. Mm. Yeah. And so from that age, from the age of eight or nine, which is pre-pubescent, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm into psychology, all that stuff as well. So these are like vulnerable times just naturally. Yeah. Then you add in the spiritual sense and it's just, it was just a decline from there. Um, and then, yeah. And then I guess, you know, the enemy was working on me and then I started seeing church as just like a chore. Um, and then, you know, living in a strict Christian household where I'm the only female. So, you know, you know, your girl wasn't doing nothing. I wasn't. I was <laughs> oh my, to do. That's but, even me. Cause I'm the only female in the household apart from my mom. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to go, no, like, do nothing. So the second mm. I had a piece of freedom, your girl was like, peace. it's a whole new... <laughs> you were like, peace, not coming back. <laughs> Listen, I had my own Disney montage. I was out enjoying everything. Oh, wow. wow. It's it, 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 it's amazing. And thank you for sharing that, mm-hmm. that, that dark moment in your life. Um you know, I, I've learned transitioning from one place to another is already harder than eight year old, right? So it seems to be a lot of different transitions going on in your life. You know, not only eight years old, that's that's only that's that's only two years removed from my daughter, right? My son is gonna be eight in July. That is a very young, tender age. Yeah. And oh yeah. And to throw in now we're gonna move from New York, which is so diverse, to Connecticut. Not not very diverse. The not state. Very diverse. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and then on top of that, this this thing happening to you by another kid, another kid that you probably trusted, right? Like a friend that you probably trusted. That's a lot to deal with. Mm-hmm. And and at the same time, like you said, you know. Your body is changing, you know, you're learning new things about yourself. I man, you know, I, I am I am so grateful that God kept you. Yes. Through all yes. this time. Yes. You know. But the I'm devil so meant grateful. for evil. Listen, this shirt is a physical representation, okay, of my yeah. story. <laughs> what she been through. But God, okay? But yeah. God. Because yeah. the thing is, as you were talking, it was, it's like um, the Bible verse that came to mind that all things work together for those, you know. Dorcas, you better come on with the word now, girl. <laughs> because you turn this into something else, girl. I, come on. First of all, <laughs> I'm not trying to answer that call. <laughs> But anyway, Listen, it ain't a, it's not a call. It's in us, girl. Don't even look. That is, go, that is look, true. Sam, come on now. We're going to turn this around on Dorcas. So Dorcas, you right. tell us. <laughs> look, I know what I'm supposed What's to be. The Lord in your spirit. The Lord. Yes. Yeah. But as you were talking, it was like the devil meant it for evil. You know, and a lot of that happens not even in the life of preachers, kids, Christians across the board, across the globe. The devil always uses things meant for evil. That's why when my dad preaches, he always says, when you sin, confess, because if you leave that crack open, Uh the devil's an opportunist. Uh He's going to take it and like, oh, we got her. Yeah. So it's like anything that happens. I'm constantly at work. I'm at the elevator. I'm like wait, Jesus, forgive me for everything I've done. And I, it's like, I even, even haven't even done, mm-hmm. well, to me, I haven't done anything, you know, but that road to heaven is narrow. So you yeah. never know. But for your life, it's like the devil meant it for evil. But God is yes. like, you know what? I'm going to take it. And oh, I'm yeah. And purify it. 
And I'm going to use that as a testimony for others. And look at your world on this platform right now. And you're speaking to somebody who, in all yes. honesty, might be going through maybe something that we cannot even imagine. Mm. Yes. But yeah. I clap for Jesus for you, girl. That girl, listen, every single day I'm in my house, I be having church all by myself because when I tell y'all, like we are lightly glazing over these stories and experiences. But if I really went in and told y'all, um, listen, it's a, it's a miracle that I'm here. Mm. Um, and to touch on what you're, what you're talking about, Dorcas, about the confessing, it takes trust. It mm-hmm. takes relationship because yes. your girl was out here sinning left and right, but I was not confessing out one daggone thing. Yeah. Um, and now I'm in a place of relationship because I know God's love for me. Mm-hmm. I know that there's nothing that I can ever do. Not that that gives me a free pass to go out here and live how I want to live because I don't want to because now I have that relationship with God. I don't want to do mm-hmm. nothing that upsets him or disappoints him or puts a frown on his face. Yeah, God is everything to me now. Mm. And so I don't have a problem to go to him. I mean, something as small as I'm driving. I got horrible road rage. Y'all I'm driving out here. In Florida. I feel like you got another sister. Cause I've been doing the same thing girl. Okay. <laughs> and out here in Florida, everybody moves to Florida from somewhere else and everybody brings their own road rules with them. Okay. Like if you grew up on the <laughs> Island, you driving like you on the Island. So I'm out here calling people, you dummy, you, and then immediately after I was like, Oh my gosh, God, I'm so sorry. Cause that's your child. But that's the relationship I have yeah. with God now. You know what I'm mm. saying? So, so even something so small like that, yeah, I'm I, able to yeah. go to him and talk to him about anything. Yeah. I had a wow. co- sorry, Nakia. Like I had a conversation no, with right. God one time, and I was like, you know what? I have to see you as my lover now, as my husband, as Girl. you know, because when you love, if when God is your lover, He's your husband, He's your boyfriend, your best Girl, friend. You gotta make me walk away from this. <laughs> And don't do a dance in the corner. <laughs> but before everything, like, you know, everybody has their struggles. I did too. So then one day, of course, you come to a breaking point. It's like, okay. Because I can hear God in the back, like, you know, I'm supposed to be in that position. You're trying to put that person in. Like that person is not going to fulfill that feeling that mm. you need fulfilled. Like literally constant in the back. But it's like, I'm going to ignore this voice because right. I want right. instant gratification right now. And this person can provide that. But then it was like, you know what? Jesus has to be a lover, has to be your best friend. Why is it like Jesus is the lover of my soul? Uh, he has to be my husband because guess what? His wife is the church. So if I'm part of the church, but part of the body of Christ, by automatic, I'm the wife. I do not want a divorce. So mm. guess what? I got to get together. You bringing so. the word, girl. Let Sam, t- <laughs> Sam lean back. He was like, let, just let her go. I know. So <laughs> like, wow, I'm sorry, but like your story, so good. like your story literally brought me to that space where it's like, yes, when you say ma'am. it's a relationship, it that's what a lot of people say. I'm a Christian that I'm like, um, I'm like, that's nice. And is, <laughs> do you have a relationship? Right. Is that the first, like, you know, when you find somebody, your new boot right. thing and he texts you in the morning, good morning, are you that way with God? Like, oh, mm. good morning, Jesus. Girl, where is my, where, like? Sometimes I'm on my phone, I'll be like, and I'll be on Instagram. Like, Woo! Did I say hi to Jesus? I'm like, Jesus, forgive me. But Lord, hi, good morning. Yes. Let's say yes. my life is yes. in your hands. Do what yes. you got to do. I don't even leave out of my bed to go to the bathroom without going into the word. 
everything's got to pause and stop. Mm-hmm. And the second I open up my eyes is me. That's me and God time. Yeah. And I don't even take, I don't even go to the bathroom. I'm sorry if that's too much, but that's I okay. sit there on my bed and I will sit and I will pray. I will thank God. I will go in his word. I will Holy spirit. What do you have? Cause a lot of the times that's like a fresh word. Like that's when you can hear the Holy spirit so clear. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I got my mm-hmm. notebook next to me. I'll be like, okay, what are we doing today? God, like what's, but people gotta, but you have to trust God. That's the thing. Hebrews yeah. 11, six. Come on. A lot of people are walking around here. First of all, you, we already know that first part without faith, without faith, without faith. Everybody know that part, but that next part we forget about, yeah. you got to believe that God exists, which most mm. people do. They may not call him God. They'll call him whatever, but everybody knows that the there is a higher being. power. Right. Mm-hmm. So everybody got that part down Here's Pat. the part. That is the sand trap. This is where we fall short. That second mm-hmm. part, you got to know that God loves you and cares about you enough that he will respond to you. And that's where, especially Christians, we Come be falling on. off. We fall off. Oh, not care lover. God oh. is it. God is in love with me, honey. Okay. I know. So I could go to him and talk to him about anything because I know he cares about me enough to do so. Yeah. And you know something that my mom and me and my mom and my dad, you know, I'm the only one at home now, but we always have conversation. And something that my parents always say is if the devil can get you to think God don't love you, that's it. That's it right there. The moment you start to doubt the love that God has for you, the devil has a chance. So for me, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes it's like, we're very unfaithful. We're very imperfect. So, but then when God answers a prayer or God speaks through somebody to me or God speaks to me, then it's like, oh my goodness. Like I am unfaithful. Why am I so worth? Like, who am I to get a response from you? A response. Then it's like, mm. but you're my child. <laughs> How am I not supposed to respond to you? You're exactly. my friend. You're my, like, you're my wife. Yes, uh, first of exactly. all, listen to me. Okay, we got to hang out, girl. I'll fly to Florida. Yes, ma'am. Uh, okay, sorry, Sam. We took over for a second. Sorry, right. sir. Sorry, no, Jude. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jude is no. in the background like, oh, my goodness. No. <laughs> these, look. these two don't cut it oh, out. Oh, by the way, Jude says something. Jude goes, wait, we shouldn't call people stupid when driving? What? <laughs> That's why I said I said dummy. And I do I don't worry, I do cute, the same thing. That's a cute way of saying stupid. But I did apologize to God and I said sorry. Yeah, I try to. Said, <laughs> um, because you said something that I thought you know um, that when the devil the devil's job is to make you doubt, mm-hmm. right? And that's what happened in 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 the Garden of Eden. Yeah, he planted doubt. Mm. He made he made. Eve think for a second that God doesn't love her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If this God loves you, he would he he will let you eat of this fruit. Mm. Yeah. Right. But, but I think he's made you already in his image. So why exactly? Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so so being 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 able to kind of get get through and, and I'm not saying that to, to kind of sit on a soapbox or anything and and be like, you should never doubt God because that, you know, I, I don't want to do that because it's not easy. Mm-mm. <laughs> it's not easy to tell no, to tell an eight-year-old mm-hmm. who's been molested, mm. who's facing racism in a new environment, to trust God. Right. Right. 
it is not and I think a lot of a lot of times Christians think some Christians I've come I've come in contact with think it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we, we I think our first episode we had my sister in law, Daniel's wife, was talking about this idea of mental health in Christianity and how mm-hmm. how do we deal with that? How do we do how do we deal and with, with our own mental health? And 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 that's why we ask about the pressure thing, because when so much pressure falls on someone. How do they react to that pressure? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And 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 mm-hmm. and as Christians, we already have that pressure in us. But as as PKs, that pressure is elevated to a whole different level. Now I don't know about you, and I don't know how your family was were growing up, but did you guys ever talk about mental health and you know, was your family open to seeing a therapist, seeing counselors, anything? So what had happened was um, I kept it a secret. Um, I was I did not say anything to anybody. So I suffered with that for a long time. I don't think I told my my mom about it until I was like in my early 20s. Wow. Um, But here's what happens. And this is what I want to encourage anybody that's listening to this show. I spoke at um, I I go around and I speak at different events and things and I share my testimony and and talk, you know, uh, with a lot of different people. And one of the events I went to in particular, I talked about, you know, uh, what had happened and um, you would not believe. And this was a Christian event. You would not believe how many young men and women at this event were crumbling in my arms and thanking me for talking about this because now it allowed them to open up and talk about it. Mm. My parents didn't know about it. When I was um, 17 years old, I was set up and I was raped. Uh, two different occasions. Hmm. When I got home, now this was my first bout with college. When I, when Sam, when I met you, that was my second uh, attempt at college. Yeah. This was my first bout. And the reason why I left the first college was because of this incident, because it involved um, some star football players and there was a whole campus investigate. It was a mess. Like if this was in the days, like with media and everything, this would have been a story that would have been all over the place. Mm -hmm. So thank God for that. But anyways, I ended up having to run away and leave the campus because it became, my business was all out there everywhere with everybody. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was just horrible. But anyways, when I got home, and I talked to my parents about it. Um, you know, I went to see, I went to the hospital to get, you know, checked out and everything. They sent a therapist in, asked me like three or four questions. And then that was the extent of my therapy. That was it. Everything else was pray, talk to God about it, read the word, mm-hmm. pray. Talk to God. And yes, there is power in prayer. Absolutely. There is power in the living word of God. Absolutely. But when there's a blockage there, when you are not in a place where you can receive, mm-hmm. 
it's there's not much that can can happen. You have to be in a place to receive. So I want to encourage anybody that's listening that has gone through anything traumatic. You need to open up and you need to go talk to someone about it. If it's not your parents, please talk to your past. If it's not your pastor, please go see a Christian therapist. But you got to let it out. Because I really believe that that was the root cause from eight years old. Okay, Mm -hmm. that was the root cause for all of the other nonsense that followed for the next 20 years. Wow. 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 I, you know, (laughs) Mo. Wow. I'm speechless. You've been through a lot in your life and and you sitting here is a testament. The devil tried, like yeah. I could say, try to, you know, John 10, 10, trying to do that to you, right? He stole you away from Christ and trying to destroy you and trying to kill you. But he gave you life, an abundant life he did. And, and oh, bro, yeah. I, I cannot, I cannot, um, wow. I cannot tell you how proud of you I am. Me that, too. Um, oh, thanks, guys. How are we doing this? All right. We, we had a lot more conversation to have with you. Okay. So okay. we're going to end it here. And okay. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about how God, the process that God used to get you out of this. Because I think that's a very powerful story there, too. Yeah. That I think, and we can spend hours and hours on this <laughs> to <Yes>. see <laughs> how God pulled you oh, out, yeah. of that, out of that yeah. mess. Okay. So um, the, uh, the Bible verse that I'm going to end with today is John 10, 10. You know, uh-huh. uh, the devil comes to steal, uh-huh. to kill and uh-huh. to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have, and have it more abundant. Yes, Jesus. And and Mo, your life story for what you've shared with us so far. And we've listened to that first part of that Bible verse. The devil came and stole you from the from the from from God. And he tried to destroy you and trying to kill you. So our next episode is going to be about the second part of that Bible verse. The turnaround. Come on, the resurrection. That's what and it give is. give you that life <laughs> and yes. give you abundant life. For, for anybody out there who is listening to this message right now and just deep down, you know you do not have a relationship with Christ. You don't have a relationship with God. I want to give you an opportunity right now to say a quick prayer and to dedicate your life to God. And for those Christians out there who you resonate with Mo's story and you feel like maybe right now you're going through that, that moment or you feel the devil is stealing you away. The devil is, is trying to suppress your joy and you want to rededicate your life to Christ. I want you to close your eyes and pray. And, and this is a short prayer with me. Dear Jesus, Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for giving up your life for my life. I pray this moment and I confess every sin that is in my life. I pray that you come into my life and you make me a new person. I want to dedicate my life to you 
and I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. Now, if you pray that prayer, and I want to tell you, being a Christian is not plug and play. It's not like you said a prayer and boom, everything is perfect. No, that's not how this works. You know, it, it's a lifestyle. The Bible said that the, God wants you to repent. The word repent means to turn around, like do 180. So the sin that is in your life, you have to turn around. And, and, I, and I, I, I encourage you to find a Bible-believing church in your area. Find that church and be a community member of that church. Because I believe that the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. And there's power and love in community. Yeah. So um, if you're ever in a New Jersey area and you want a Bible-believing church, House of Faith Ministries on 900 Edwin Street in North Brunswick, uh, they have their church service in person, COVID style, and also via YouTube. Um, you can find them on YouTube at youtube.com slash H-O-F-M-N-J. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Um, if you're in San Diego area, you know, there's a church called All People's Church. It's a multicultural, amazing church. It's a church I attend. Join us in San Diego for such an amazing, amazing church service. You can find more information at allpeopleschurch.org to join us. And more, what church uh, What church in your area do you want people to visit you? Yeah, if you're in Orlando, um, you can go to Discovery Church. Um, awesome church, uh, very diverse. Or if you're in Kissimmee, um, which is right outside of Orlando, you can go to the Dwelling Place Church, another amazing ministry. Well, thank you. And, and, and I want to share one last thing here. Uh, for anybody listening to this, and you heard Mo's story, and you, you know you resonate with it, you have some sexual assault, some molestation, uh, here's a number that you can reach, all right? The National Helpline is 1-800-656-4673. 1-800-656-4673. It's 24-7. If you just need someone to talk to, you don't know what to do, call this number and someone will be there to talk you through what your next steps are. But we love you, and we will see you next episode. Thank you. All right, guys, we're going to have to end it here. This conversation with Mo is absolutely incredible. Her story is so good, we couldn't fit it all in one episode. So that means the next episode is going to be the part two of our conversation with her. That's going to be dropping on April 1st, so make sure you get ready for that. Thank you all so much for listening, and please... Like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Confessions of PK and on Facebook at Confessions of a PK. Love you guys. And as always, love, peace and chicken grease. Peace.